night in preparation for Easter celebration. It's called Encounters with Jesus. Because the New Testament is just filled with stories of people who encountered Jesus and their lives were transformed. Jesus answered lots of tough questions. He healed the broken. He loved the lost. And he challenged the social elite. And in all of these stories, the one thing that keeps coming up, the most important thing that can happen to a person, is to encounter Jesus. It's in the meeting of Jesus. It's in the transformation, where our hope is, where our joy is. For every single person that's searching for purpose, searching for hope, searching for God, and then they encounter Jesus, and everything changes. And as we look at each of these characters through the next weeks, we're going to be able to look at our own encounters with Jesus and see if we're being transformed in the same way. So tonight we're going to start with a man named Bartimaeus. Now imagine for Bartimaeus, his day started out maybe like any other day. He was in the city of Jericho, and he was blind, so he couldn't tell that it was morning other than the sounds he could hear. It was a bustling city, so he heard maybe farmers moving their animals. He heard children playing. Maybe he heard the shopkeepers setting up their wares for the day. And he just kind of rolled up, grabbed the one possession he had, which was his coat, left his little makeshift shelter that basically did nothing but really just protect him from the beating of the sun on him. He didn't have much else. With his hair matted down, with his unshaven face, the blind beggar slowly made his way to the edge of the city to line up with the rest of the beggars. Nobody paid much attention to him. Beggars were just a nuisance, after all. No one, everyone should take care of them, but not me. When you were blind, it was a punishment from God. If you were blind, that's because someone in your family sinned and you were paying the price. And if you were poor on top of that, well, then there was just no hope for you. Bartimaeus had a life of survival. He didn't have a whole lot of joy, didn't have a whole lot of peace, and there was no chance for success. One would have to ask if he was really living life at all. Yet, on this particular day, something felt a little different. The voices around him were a little more boisterous, as if there was something exciting about to happen. So Bartimaeus became a little curious, and he asked those around him, what's going on? What's all the commotion about? Jesus of Nazareth is coming this way. <coughs> His heart begins to beat faster. 
He had heard stories about this rabbi, this teacher, a miracle worker, some claimed. People with leprosy were healed. Demons were cast out. And the blind could see again. Wait, the blind could see again. Maybe, maybe Bartimaeus could have thought, this Jesus can help me. Only someone with the power of God could heal the blind. Could this Jesus be the one that was foretold in Scripture? The son of David, the Messiah? Now is my chance, Bartimaeus thought, to see if this Jesus of Nazareth can help me too. And so we pick up Bartimaeus' story in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse <coughs> 6. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Here's a man who is considered an outcast, a sinner, a beggar of little value to the world around him. But deep down inside, he knew there was more. He needed hope. He was in need of a new life. So he called out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, he said. The crowds tried to shut him down. They tried to tell him to be quiet, so he shouted louder. He was desperate. He was desperate for a change. He was desperate for his life to matter. Despite the crowds telling Bartimaeus, Quiet. Jesus heard. Jesus heard his voice. Jesus stopped. Jesus called to him. Bartimaeus responds by throwing aside his coat. The one thing he could claim in life, the one possession he had, and he threw it aside. He jumped up and went to Jesus. Are we so desperate for Jesus that we cast aside what we have and run to him when he calls to us? Are we that desperate for Jesus? Listen to what Jesus asked Bartimaeus in verse 51. Now remember, Jesus is surrounded by religious followers. They're on their way to Jerusalem for a religious festival to celebrate the Passover. And this is what he asked Bartimaeus. There's a hush over the crowd. You can almost hear the silence. Oh, he's going to yell at this guy too. Tell him to be quiet. 
Jesus says, all the compassion, all the love. What do you want me to do for you? You can almost see the disgust on the crowd around. What? Now remember, Jesus, just before this story, James and John went to Jesus, demanding, Lord, we want to be at your left hand. Jesus said, we don't know what you ask. And here, Jesus goes to a beggar, the cast aside of society, and says, what do you want me to do for you? What does Bartimaeus say? My rabbi. Suddenly, he's not just the rabbi. My rabbi. My Jesus. I want to see. And in an instant, his vision is restored. And the first thing he sees is the face of Jesus. What a moment. And he follows him down the road. Bartimaeus was a man who would let his value and his worth be set by the world's standards until this fateful encounter with Jesus changed everything. His new sight was both physical and spiritual. He had heard about this Jesus of Nazareth before, but now he had actually seen him. His eyes saw Jesus physically, face to face, but spiritually, how he knew that he mattered. Now he knew that his life had meaning and purpose, and he would spend the rest of his life following Jesus, the one who gave him value, the son of David, the one who now he referred to as my rabbi. We meet our second character tonight, just a couple of days before Passover, at Simon the leper's home. I imagine her story started something like this. She stood outside the home of Simon the leper, where she knew that her Lord was visiting. She had walked to this place full of confidence in what she was about to do for her Lord. Now she stands outside, her heart beating rapidly inside her chest, and her hands shaking while she holds an alabaster jar. Now is the time for her to overcome her fear. Now is the time for her to be bold in her expression of love for her Lord. So she steps inside, the loud conversations around her become whispers, and the looks become scornful glares as she approaches Jesus. We pick up her story in Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages in the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. 
Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And she broke the jar and anointed Jesus with the oil. The indignant glares became harsh rebukes. What do you think you're doing here? There are rules to follow, poor people to take care of, and you don't belong here anyway. But Jesus steps in. Leave her alone, he says. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. As I was studying this, one of the things that kept popping into my head, remember those MasterCard commercials? They go through kind of dinner with friends, 20 denarii. Alabaster jar with perfumed oil, 300 denarii. Hearing Jesus rebuke your critics and commend your act of worship to him as a beautiful thing, absolutely priceless. You imagine those words for her ears. What she has done is a beautiful thing for me. You see, Jesus recognized the value of the perfume. But he knows that the value of this woman and her gift is a greater value than any of that. Jesus also said she did what she could. She gave the Lord her best, and he knew that. It wasn't about the extravagance of the gift that she gave her all. When we find our value in Jesus, we don't run away from him. We give him our best. We do what we can to honor him and glorify him with whatever we have. No matter what the world is trying to tell us. There's no act of worship that's too small for our Lord. There's no act of worship for our Lord that goes unnoticed by him. In these two characters that we looked at tonight, one was desperate. One was desperately seeking his value, wanting to know that he mattered to someone, mattered to anyone. And when Bartimaeus came face to face with Jesus, value was revealed to himself. We can only imagine what it was like to look into Jesus' eyes in that moment. So full of compassion. So full of love and mercy. It had to rock his world right to the core of who he was. Remember, he left his coat. The one thing that he had in the world, he left it behind to go and follow Jesus. It rocked him to his core because he knew that now he was a son of a king. And our second character, she knew Jesus as her Lord. 
She knew that Jesus was her Lord, her Savior. She was fully aware of her value in Christ. She knew she was a daughter of the King. And she wanted to give back to him all that she could in an act of thankfulness, all that she could in an act of worship. She allowed her value in Christ, her worth in Christ, to make her bold, to give her strength so that she could go to him, step out of her comfort zone. She knew that God's love for her was steadfast. She knew God's love for her was unconditional and immeasurable, and she held nothing back in giving him everything she had. See, when we struggle with our self-worth, when we struggle with our value, it affects every aspect of our lives. It affects our spiritual life. It affects our fears, our insecurities. It affects how we relate to others. It affects how we even spend our time. Our self-confidence, our self-esteem, our self-control even is affected. Knowing our value is not about pride. Knowing our value in Christ, it's just, it's a quiet humbling. It's an awareness of our value in God's eyes. In our story, of our woman that we just read about. We don't know her name. We only know about the gift she gave Jesus. Jesus tells us that generations will know about her. Her act of love, her act of worship. But we don't know her name. Because knowing our worth in Jesus is not about puffing us up. It's about glorifying him. Because knowing our worth in Christ, it helps to motivate us. It helps to improve us when we commit all things to Him. It's all about an attitude of thankfulness. Knowing that everything about us, everything in our life, is in His hands. Jesus said it best when He compares our value to the sparrows. Luke 12, verse 6 through 7, this is what he says. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Whether you're here tonight seeking Jesus, seeking purpose, and value in your life. Maybe you've already made that commitment to Christ. You've already made Him Lord and Savior, but you're struggling. Maybe you're in a trial. You just need to be reminded that you matter. Maybe you just need to be reminded that you are loved. Either way, please don't leave here tonight without talking to someone. Asking someone just pray with you. Life is hard. Jesus said we were going to have trouble. And Satan certainly throws enough stuff at us. Trip us up. Give us self-doubt. 
discouragement, worthlessness. But the Lord wants to rejoice over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says this way, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, and his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Let the Lord rejoice over you, as sons and daughters of the King. Now we're going to close out our message a little different tonight. Can feel free to stay in your seat and pray. But if you'd like someone to pray with you, please come up on stage. If you want someone to come alongside to pray with you, then please come up to the stage. But I want just to invite you these next few minutes to, to encounter Jesus in all that he is for you. Let the one who created you, let the one who loves you, just rejoice over you. After Patty finishes this song, we'll close in our usual fashion and then be dismissed. I'll leave you with this verse from Ephesians 1, starting in verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Father, I thank you for our time together. I pray that everyone in this room knows the value that you have, that, that you love them, Father, that you care for them. I just invite you here, Father, as, as we sing praise to you, Father. I ask for a blessing on everyone in this room, Father. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Mm -hmm.